Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Mickey Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Jared, alongside Alyssa Antonelli, who is a big part of the Mickey Blog family. And also, as I always like to mention, she is the co-owner of Mickey Travels, which is your best travel agency, Disney travel planners to go to if you ever need to help plan your Disney vacation. We'll talk more about Mickey Travels later on in the episode. Regardless, let's talk about today's episode. But before we do, I do want to mention that this episode and every episode of the Mickey Blog Podcast is brought to you by Mickey Travels. As I was just talking about them, you know, one of these days I'm going to get a lot better at, at transitions and introductions. But, you know, you'd think episode 45, I'd be a little bit better at all this. But it's okay. Alyssa, how are you doing? Let's turn the floor over to you. I'm doing great. It's a, it's a beautiful day in Florida. Um, it's good. Uh, getting through, you know, all the things we have to get through, booking lots of uh, Disney vacations. And super excited because uh, booking lots of Disney treasure cruises. Yes. So that's exciting because, of course, today, um, well, everyone will hear this on Friday, but this week has been, the you know, last week and this week, the cadence for all the bookings. And finally, it's open to the general public so everybody can book their Disney treasure vacation. Absolutely. That is very exciting. And uh, yeah. obviously, um, for those of you who don't know, the Disney treasure is Disney's upcoming cruise ship. We're very excited. Uh, it is officially getting set to set sail in December of 2024 uh, for its first voyage. So we're going to keep you updated, of course, as we get closer to that. Uh, but they just released a lot of information about what's going to be on the Disney treasure. And, you know, as Alyssa just said, the bookings just opened this week. So if you need help booking your cruise on the Disney treasure, do reach out to Mickey Travels and have those expert Disney travel planners help you book it, plan it, and everything. You just get to sit back and relax, which is the best thing to do, especially on a Disney cruise. So, and Jared, uh, I think you mentioned um, to me anyway that maybe we'll do a podcast in the future about the Disney treasure. Absolutely. We do plan to do a whole episode on the treasure just because the idea is I want to jump deeper into what the ship's going to offer, how it's going to vary as in comparison to the other Disney Cruise Line ships. You know, every every Disney Cruise Line ship is different. And I think that's actually what makes it so unique and, and so great to me. Obviously, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, lots of other cruise lines have different ships with different offerings. But for me, I, I sailed on the Disney Magic earlier this year, and one of the things I loved about it was I thought to myself, like, oh, wow, this is really cool, but there's different restaurants and different lounges and different things on the other ships. And I'm one of those people where, like, I love that. Because like a theme park, you get to go experience different things. And one of the cool things about the treasure is all these new and unique offerings that aren't on the other ships, that haven't been on any other ship. And forget other ships, there's offerings that haven't even been in the Disney parks. So, you know, I, I just want to dive more deeper into all that so we can let our listeners and viewers know about that. But let's get into today's episode because uh, we are going to continue along with our Perfect Day series. If you guys are new to the podcast or first listening to this Disney-oriented podcast, essentially what this Perfect Day series is, is we go into an in-depth guide, Alyssa and I, with uh, how you can spend a perfect day at this park or this park. We have already done three of the Walt Disney World parks, including the Magic Kingdom, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and Disney's Epcot. 
So today we are on to our fourth and final of the Walt Disney World main theme parks, and that's Disney's Animal Kingdom. We'll be going through with you from start to finish how to have the best or most perfect day you possibly can at Disney's Animal Kingdom from the start of your day to the end, everything with dining, everything with attractions, all that fun stuff. Very excited to talk about it. This is an absolutely gorgeous park. Um, before we jump into the perfect day, Alyssa, what is your first like first memories involving Animal Kingdom and, and how has your love for this park sort of grown over the years? You know, it's funny. Um, when we first started going to Animal Kingdom, and I know that a lot of listeners and viewers either still feel this way or used to. It was our half day park. That's yeah. how it was, right? It was the half day park. Um, and you kind of just, you know, I don't say you blew it off because I don't think that's fair, but you never really gave it the same, the same um, love. You didn't give it the love that you gave the other parks. You know what I mean? So we would always, when we were figuring out our Disney schedule and itineraries, we always kind of threw Animal Kingdom like, oh, let's throw Animal Kingdom in that, you know, Tuesday afternoon or, you know, Thursday morning. But then, oh my gosh, we're going to go here afterwards. And I know that that sounds really unfair, but that's how it was early on for my family. Um, mm. Unjustly, by the way, unfair. Because Animal Kingdom is absolutely chock full of so many immersive experiences, so much fun. I'm sure the listeners and viewers know that at that it is the largest of the theme parks, that all three other theme parks can fit comfortably inside of Animal Kingdom. Um, I'm a really big fan of the conservation aspect of Animal Kingdom. So I love that because, you know, huge animal fan that I am. Um, so I have to say, um, I love the, the, um, the conservation message. I love the learning of different animals and how to take care of them. Um, but I love the efforts that Disney takes with these animals who outside of in the real world, um, are diminishing in numbers and the way that they want to educate the public in terms of making sure that they don't leave forever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's really the whole point of Animal Kingdom, right? Obviously, we owe a lot of the appreciation and the love of Animal Kingdom to Joe Rohde, who, you know, conceptualized this park and put it together. Love and, Joe. Let um, me give him a big heart. Yeah. Joe. That's a dream interview on the podcast for sure. Uh, but I will say now, that you know, I met him. I know, I know you did. That's very cool. I got, I got to throw that in there somewhere. I saw him at like a distance at a media event once, but I didn't get to meet him. That's very cool. So um, if Joe is listening, Jared, why don't you have a quick plea to have him <laughs> on the podcast? Do you want to just do that real quick in case he's listening? Look, Joe, basically not only do we want to talk to you about animal kingdom, obviously, but, you know, the the best part about Joe Rohde, in my opinion, is he's always been so kind and so uh, open to guests. And, and he answers questions on social media. He's extremely active and has been over the years on Twitter um, with people who ask questions. But more than anything, he has a deep care for what he's done. And I, I just love to deep to dive into that into an interview someday you know? Joe. so so yeah let us know um i'm or or you'll just keep getting annoying emails from jared <laughs> just kidding it's all good. Uh, but either way um 
again, I just want to thank obviously Joe Rohde for conceptualizing the park. But it, wh what many people don't know is that uh, there's lots of funny stories where Animal Kingdom, you know, was sort of conceptualized obviously by Joe Rohde. But he uh, beforehand, before all that, uh, it was originally supposed to be, you know, Beastly Kingdom, which was one idea. Uh, and then there was lots of rumors of, you know, this new park and what were they going to do? And Joe Rohde actually, uh, the, the, the sort of um, story goes that he pitched uh, the park to Michael Eisner with a, with a tiger, uh, a real live tiger uh, nearby, which is pretty funny to me. Um, but hey, you know, he knew what it was going to be about and he had he had the plan. But regardless, one of the things that I wanted to dive into is, um, you know, just like what Alyssa was saying, I just wanted to comment on the same thing about how this park does such a good job at like sticking to its theme. OK, one of the things that I struggle with and we already talked about this in the Disney's Hollywood Studios episode, if you guys want to go listen to that, is the as much as I love Star Wars, as much as I love Toy Story, I mean, that's my favorite animated film and my favorite franchise. Literally love them. But as much as I love them, they, we've lost a little bit of the theming of Hollywood Studios by gaining them. And a centralized theme of Hollywood Studios, you could argue, isn't really there anymore. Outside of maybe Sunset Boulevard, we lost the great movie ride. It's kind of confusing. You're walking around that park and you're like, what is th is it really about the history of movies? Or we kind of, it's kind of confusing. However, Animal Kingdom does an incredible job of everything is in that theme. And that's why they're struggling a little bit to come up with this whole new land to replace Dino Land because they want to make sure it sticks to that theme. And it has to be a part of the same message, which is animal conservation, protecting wildlife, protecting animals, protecting nature, and also celebrating it, which I believe this park just does a gorgeous job at, to be honest with you, Alyssa. And also educating their guests to the realistic um, situations that animals are facing out in the wild. Um, you know, when you go on um, Kilimanjaro Safari, when you're actually walking through in the queue, they are teaching you about the fact that there's so few white rhinos left and so, and what, you know, mm -hmm. the elephants being poached. And um, that's something that I don't like to hear about, but I really appreciate them educating people so they don't just sort of go, oh, this is just a fun love. I mean, I want people to have fun on the safari, but again, it's the message that's out there. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And then, of course, I love the fact that um, you, anywhere in Animal Kingdom, that you purchase anything, you can donate a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, whatever it is, that will go directly to Disney Conservation. And they even give you a pin that kind of says Disney Conservation. Um, so I love that. And they'll usually, cast members will ask you if you want to donate. You know, they're not pushy. They'll ask you if you want to donate a dollar, a couple dollars. Um, I always love to do that because I know it's going to a good cause. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I do. I do love that they, you know, sort of talk about those things. And I honestly feel like the safari, every time I go on that attraction, you're almost getting like a, like a lesson or you're mm -hmm. going to class a little bit, which I believe all of us need to, because you don't really realize until you see some of these species and they'll tell you, oh, there's 
2,000 of those left in the world, just how rare they are and how most of it is due to what humans have done to this earth. And, and it's on us to, to fix that. But let's, let's dive into our guide and how we can help you uh, plan this perfect day. I know we're, we're 12 minutes into the podcast and everyone's probably like, wow, they just talked about Joe Rody and the treasure. Well, look, you know, sometimes we go off topic what and you, you just got to come yeah. along for the ride. Uh, but hopefully we some all of you guys are sometimes, <laughs> but you just got to buckle up and come along and trust us that the, that whatever road we're taking, we're, yeah. it's going to be a good road. Look, sometimes we, we, we get up in that airplane. Okay. And the airplane goes a different direction than originally intended, but we always land it. It does land eventually. Uh, you get to your destination come along for the ride. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, what we're going to do is very similar to what we did last time, Alyssa, where the first half of the guide or planning for that perfect day at Animal Kingdom, which again, we want to mention, as we did in the previous three perfect day episodes, is th this is subjective. Okay, so what Alyssa and I are telling you is not the right or the wrong answer. We are simply telling you our best tips and tricks. Uh, Alyssa is an expert Disney planner. I've been in the Disney um, media side of the industry for years. Together, we have a lot of ideas, tips, tricks, you know, just, uh, you know, ways we can help you plan that Animal Kingdom Day. However, we are not the end-all be-all, and everybody is going to have a different version of a perfect day. Cer certain people could literally walk into Animal Kingdom and say, hey, I want to get a coffee at Creature Comforts and look at animals, and that's my perfect day. More power to you. It's technically the biggest zoo in North America, because it is classified as a zoo. So fun fact. Uh, but either way, let's jump right into this. Starting at the beginning, first half of the episode will be Alyssa and I's sort of step-by-step -step more specifics. Everything from, you know, do you need a virtual queue? What time should I get there? Is it a half-day park? Is it a full-day park? Uh, spoiler alert, now it's a full-day park. Sorry, guys. Uh, and how to maximize your day. And then the second half of the episode, we'll talk a little bit about some of our personal favorites, whether it be personal favorite things to eat, drink, rides, everything like that, favorite view of a monkey, whatever you, you got. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump right in. So I know we've talked about this in the past, Alyssa. One of the things I wanted to mention in this episode, we've talked about the idea of rope dropping and virtual cues. And, you know, for certain... For certain parks, we felt that it's it is absolutely helpful. It's necessary. You need it. For example, Magic Kingdom. In fact, if you have early entry, if you're staying at a Walt Disney World Resort, utilize that. Utilize the early entry. Makes a huge difference. Um, we've also talked about that being a huge difference maker for Disney's Hollywood Studios. We did mention for Epcot, if you got your virtual queue, first thing then early entry isn't going to save you a ton of time. It's not going to make a massive difference because World Showcase doesn't open till 11. And a lot of these attractions are sort of stuck by, you know, certain areas anyways until the park opens. However, I think you would agree with me on this one. This is another park where early entry does make a difference. I think getting there early and basically going to Pandora, that's going to be my first piece of advice. It makes a huge difference in the trajectory of the rest of your day. Would you agree with that? I would. And, and I feel like once Animal Kingdom opens, you, you're not limited to where you can go. Yeah. Really feeding back on what you said about Epcot. You know, if you get into Epcot, um, you know, World Showcase isn't open. Yeah. So, you know, you're not, it's not going to open just because you're in their early entry 
or, you know, anything. It, it's not. So um, I, I love the fact, and as I said before, it's such a large, expansive park. There's so mm-hmm. many, there's so many winding pathways. It's probably, I feel very comfortable there where, where I'm going. But if I had to say there was one park I might get lost in, it would be Animal Kingdom because it's so big. I'm not saying we get lost. I think we know where we're going, but you know, there's little, there's a little, you know, go right, go straight, go left. You don't mm-hmm. kind of know, you know, it's, it's not a hub and spokes type of park like Magic Kingdom is where it yeah. all centers in the middle and the lands, you know, permeate out. It's not like that. There's a lot of little pathways. I love that. Um, I will say, you know, just to be honest, um, yes, I'm a big fan of, you know, obviously, you know, going over to Pandora. Um, Flight of Passage is the bomb and it's where everyone's mm-hmm. going to be heading to. Um, but I will say something that if you're not really like, I'm going to run and rush and all that. Um, I think I've said this for all the other three parks. And I'm going to say it again for this one. You know, nothing wrong with heading over to Creature Comforts and getting your Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say I have no problem with that at any of the parks, right? None of the parks. You got to, you know, grab that Starbucks. Um, I will say there is something absolutely magical about the Tree of Life. So yeah. just making sure that you head over to the Tree of Life. You can't miss it. It's the big tree that you're going to bump mm-hmm. into. Um, what I think is really neat is it's a great picture spot. Um, I will say, and I'm going to be real, other than Cinderella's Castle, it's about as great of an icon to get a picture in front of as anything else at Walt Disney World. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. There's a lot of others, you know, um, I'll, I'm going to say it's, I'd rather have my picture in front of the tree of life than spaceship earth. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, to be honest, I'm a big Disney Zen fan. Uh, in, in fact, I run my own little tiny Disney page where I just post relaxing Disney videos. Many people don't know that about me, but that's just a little side passion of mine. But the point is the reason I mentioned that is because animal kingdom and my opinion is the best, best, most relaxing, gorgeous Disney park out there, including, um, you know, Disneyland parks. And, and I will say I haven't been to Tokyo Disney Sea. It's on my bucket list, but I have heard that's the most gorgeously designed Disney park on the planet. So maybe someday, Alyssa. Um, but regardless, I will say that uh, Alyssa is absolutely right. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't give a quick little shout out to uh you know, Molly from Mammoth Club, because I used to work with her. And one of the things she used to always do is she'd run over to Creature Comforts, which we keep mentioning this. Creature Comforts is a Starbucks in Animal Kingdom. They have different names for them in each park, like Main Street Bakery or Connections Cafe, you know, but it is, in fact, Starbucks inside. So Creature Creature Comforts is off to your left. If you're going to the Tree of Life, you go left. Lots of people go there, especially first thing, get your coffee. Well, once you get your coffee, if you walk right across the way, there's some little monkeys right there that you can look at, and you keep going down that path, you're going to find a side view of the Tree of Life. Very few people over there. So one of her favorite things that she still talks about in her videos and on her Instagram is she loves going there, having a coffee and relax and relaxing in the morning because nobody's there. It's a nice, relaxing spot. And I totally agree with that. And I think there's a lot of those little spots that we're going to talk about, but I'm going to say that more so for the second half of the episode when I talk more about my favorites. Let's continue on with like, how would you recommend to a family, Alyssa, first first time in Animal Kingdom, maybe there's a few kids with them wanting to get a lot done. 
let's say hypothetically everybody is tall enough to ride every single ride uh and they're rope dropping they're there what is your suggestion what are the few things that you suggest in terms of where to go how to go about your day obviously there's a lot of different ways you could go about animal kingdom and as Alyssa mentioned you know once those ropes open you're off you can go wherever it's not like magic kingdom uh or sorry, it's not like Epcot and even Magic Kingdom to a degree, because oftentimes rope dropping in Magic Kingdom, they'll cut you off by Peter Pan if you want to keep going around. So anyways, how do you recommend starting a day? I mean, I really think it depends. You know, part of me is, you know, thinking you head right over to Pandora while it's not super crowded, um, you know, mm-hmm. try to obviously get on Flight of Passage for sure. But um, another really great thing is literally go right over at Expedition Everest. Yeah. You know, because, you know, that's obviously a very popular attraction. The lines are going to be um, pretty long. Obviously, you can get a lightning lane. But let's pretend you're not spending extra money. Yeah. Right? Like, let's not assume everybody's dropping more money for Genie Plus and lightning lanes. And I'm mm-hmm. a fan. So I'm not here saying, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Don't spend the money. But let's, you know, you have to still be sensitive to people saying, I already spent a lot of money. Yeah. I just want to you know, do it old school. Um. You know, I think Expedition Everest, um, it's a little bit of a walk. It's probably one of the further, further Mm. areas to get to. Um, I will say, speaking about really great vantage points, as you're walking towards Everest, and you'll see on the left, there's these monkeys that when they're out, they like to be jokesters and they like to swing from these very high Mm -hmm. things. I don't think they're vines. But anyway, if you go straight and you're about to turn left to kind of keep going down the path, um, there's this little, like over the, over the water, this little view and it has a, I think it has like a, like a, some kind of, uh, like a ne- Nepal sort of temple sort of statue mm-hmm. or whatever. And it has the most beautiful view of Everest. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Jared? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I actually, I thought I said uh... that really wrong. Cause I, I see it in my brain, but I'm not. Saying no, no, it no. The way I mean no, it. it's totally true. So, uh, right there where Alyssa is talking about, there are some apes that basically uh, climb up all these different poles, and they're very cool to look at. It's right outside of Cali River Rapids, and as you're heading towards Expedition Everest, there is a little photo spot right there, and you do get some gorgeous views of Expedition Everest. And that's actually an Easter egg that Joe Rody planted. Um, the little statues with the poles actually line up perfectly with the um, specific uh, peaks of Expedition Everest. So if you back up a little bit, you can see each top of the statue lines up perfectly with the top of the mountain. So it's it's a cool little Easter egg that they added, but it just goes to show you how much detail and appreciation and love that went into this park. But Alyssa brings up a good point. Everybody is thinking the same thing when it comes to rope dropping. Uh, Animal Kingdom, and that's go to Pandora. Okay, so I know I mentioned earlier, if I were you, I'd go to Pandora. And frankly, I do think that is your play. However, that's if you have early entry, because that extra 30 minutes, you know, to an hour, that gives you that window where you can go over to Pandora, and there will be way less people because the general public's not in there yet. However, Let's say you're walking in at nine o'clock when everybody is allowed in. There's already going to be a good amount of people from early entry that's already in Pandora. Then you got a whole nother collection of people coming in, general admission, that are also going to go to Pandora. So go right instead. 
go towards Dinosaur, Dino Land. You'll knock out all those attractions in, you know, 30 seconds. And then you'll, <laughs> and then you keep walking. You'll be at Expedition Everest and you can be on Expedition Everest with a 15, 20 minute wait. You got the Nemo show over there. And before you know it, you got half the park already knocked out before 10 a.m. And I'm not even lying. That's totally possible. It can totally, totally game change your sort of day and how you go about your day. Because as you're walking around, yes, are those lines going to be long at Pandora later on in the day? Sure. But guess what? They're going to be long anyways, all day long. So it just is. Well, I would also say, Jared, um, another thing that I really want listeners and viewers to keep in mind, it is really important. Um, You know, so another thing that I think is important to note is, you know, everybody loves Kilimanjaro Safari, right? But the one thing I think to keep in mind is you see so many more animals when it's cooler in the morning Mm -hmm. than you do in the heat of the afternoon. Um, And, you know, in in Florida, we don't have like, there's no like, oh, well, there's going to be days that are going to be like, you know, 30 and 40. They're random. It's pretty warm all year long. Now, granted, it's going to get cooler. But Mm -hmm. so I can tell you after writing it so many times, you know, 1 p.m., you're not going to see a lion up on the rock. They're in the shade somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, they're in the shade. A lot of the animals are. The cheetah, the, you know. So in the morning, though, I feel like they're, they're out and they're about and they're, you know, they're waking up from the, you know. So I actually would say there's Pandora, there's Everest. Don't not, you know, going to the safari early, I think you're going to get a better experience on the safari than later mm. in the day. Yeah. The only thing I would say to add to that, um, and I do agree with you, is I also find going towards the very end of the day, dusk, sunset is another great time because again it's cooling off and uh i've been on the safari during sunset it's very gorgeous so you know another piece of advice but i agree i think you know the thing we're trying to do here we're trying to give you tips that maybe not everybody else has given you right that's why you're listening to our podcast that's why you follow along with us not just because it's a disney fun podcast hopefully that's part of the reason But ideally, you come to us because we're trying to help you have a magical vacation. You know, that's the whole point of Mickey Blog and Mickey Travels. So, you know, I know the general public is going to tell you, if you Google, if you go online, how to go about my Disney Animal Kingdom day. How do I know this? Because I've already done this. I had to research. Uh, You know, most people are going to tell you, go left, go to Pandora. Okay. But I think, personally... What Alyssa and I are sort of selling you on a little bit is a huge, huge hack in a way to avoid a lot of those crowds. And I think, don't get me wrong, I'm going to talk about Pandora in a little bit because it's my favorite like land in Walt Disney World. It's gorgeous. Um, But, you know, I just think you can get a lot done. And and also another little piece of fun fact, if you want to meet Mickey and Minnie in their safari outfits, which many people love to do when they go to Animal Kingdom, they are available to be met and greet with over at uh, the um, Adventures Outpost. And lots of people also recommend if you go there first thing in the morning, the lines for that will also be much, much lower than the rest of the day. Uh, another sort of attraction off to your right. So, you know, there's lots of different ways to tackle Animal Kingdom. Um, but I really like Alyssa's advice about 
Safari first thing in the morning or Safari at, at night. And I think both of us would recommend and suggest you uh, maybe starting with your day off to the uh, off to the right compared to going to the left. Um, however, as we said at the beginning, this is all subjective. Okay, so you know uh, we could be telling you to do all this stuff, and you could get there, and you could be like, you know what, Jared. I'm going to go on dinosaur 12 times in a row and you can't stop me. And you know what? More power to you. So don't well, worry it's about sort it. Of, Jared, it's sort of like, um, you're going to have people who are, they go, when they're in Epcot, they go to Mexico first and mm-hmm. you have others that go to Canada first and you, that's how they do yep. it. Yep. And you could say, this is how I do it. This is the right way. They're like, mm, it's not how I do it. You know, it's, you know, it's just whatever works for you. Like, you know, we just, um, you know, just, these are just more little like strategies and best tips for mm-hmm. ways to really maximize, you know, the time. The one thing yeah. I, we always tell our clients at Mickey Travels is, you know, you, couple things. Number one, you want to manage your time well, mm-hmm. um, cause you want to see as much as you can. Um, but you also want to be flexible and be able to pivot when you need to. And I yeah. think that's a great piece of advice for people to know. You may have this full on game plan of like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to hit this, 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 this before 10 a.m. I love that. I love it. But if it doesn't happen or something unforeseen, you know, attractions, I know this is a shocker. Attractions do shut down. Mm-hmm. Crazy thought that like they're not running. Um, yeah. And you got to like readjust and you can't be mad about it. You just say, okay. So, yeah. you know, pirates is down. Not that that never happens. No, never. Never happens. Rise of the resistance is down. Hardly ever. No. But when it does, rock and roller coaster never closes. Yeah. But when it might, you got to just, you know, that's my little sarcasm of the day. I'm done. Yeah. uh, Full disclosure, we're being sarcastic. Those are three attractions that uh, go down quite a bit in Walt Disney World. But it's okay. It's all good. We love it. We still love love them. Okay. They're trying their best. Uh, we're, gonna, we're going to talk also about a few other things before we go to the second half of the episode, uh, some dining tips and also some other things that you should plan to see, uh, you know, and do throughout your day. So, you know, um, and we can make the second half of the episode a little bit shorter because what we'll do in the second half is more so just like our favorites and, and it'll be more of a casual conversation. Um, but you know, Alyssa, do you have any recommendations specifically when it comes to dining, when it comes to shopping, anything like these, these other things that maybe don't center around attractions um, that you're going to want to uh, see or do. And there's also some very good shows at Animal Kingdom as well. So I'm just going to say I'm obsessed with Festival of the Lion King. Yeah. Um, definitely find out the show times. Go see it. It mm. is Broadway to the max. Yeah. Um, it's a theater in the round. Um, it's absolutely spectacular. You can't not go to Animal Kingdom and not see Festival Lion King. And the best part is when Festival Lion King came back after COVID, it kind of came back in piecemeal, right? So it was sort of like they were singing and there were some, you know, of the, of the animals, but there was no birds flying. There were no tumble monkeys. Everything is back. It yeah. is fully up and running. It's a show that if you don't feel all the feels, you might want to check yourself again. So definitely Festival Lion King, amazing. Um, as far as food, I know we're going to get into our favorites, but I will say um, something that I find a little bit, this might be a little tip 
Um, one of my favorite restaurants actually is in Animal Kingdom. Uh, mm. It's one that I've been a big fan of for many, many years, and that's Yak and Yeti. Um, yeah. Big fan. Love the food. And let me tell you one other thing. Huge portions. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of food for your money, um, but it's good food. Um, but here's the cool thing. So Yak and Yeti is not an easy reservation to get. When you look on my Disney experience and you look under dining, it's rare to even see it there. It is so yeah. popular, but they do a lot of walk-ups. Yeah. And what I always say is, you know, if you want to go there for lunch, um, put your name in at 11. They might tell you it's an hour, hour and a half wait. Go do something else. Yeah. They'll text you when it's ready. You know, there's lots to do there. Go meander, go wander, go do an attraction. If you want to go for dinner, put your name in at four. They might not yeah. see till 530, but... Go do something. Um, so just remember that Yak and Yeti is so amazing. And they do, I almost feel like they do more walk-ups than they do reservations. I know. And they also have a small, it's not mm -hmm. huge, but they do have a small bar area that you can walk up and sit, sit at. And there's the full menu available to you. Um, but one of the things I love about Animal Kingdom when it comes to dining, uh, which I believe Animal Kingdom is is very top tier, right behind Epcot, in my opinion, for best food and Walt Disney World. Uh, they have a lot of unique food offerings, even at little stands all across the park. Um, things like, you know, seasoned fries or, you know, a very great barbecue place there. They also have like dumplings over in Asia where you can go to Africa and get some African cuisine. Um, you know, corn on the cob. You can walk around and eat seasoned corn on the cob. There's a lot of unique food and drinks and things at Animal Kingdom that you can't get at the other parks that are all quick service based. So if you're sitting there like, oh, I don't want to do a sit down, you know, uh, maybe just maybe just walk around the park and find things as you go. Because there's there are other great sit downs there as well. Just so you're aware, like Tusker House is a great, great sit down you know, character restaurant, super, super fun. I went there my whole life. Um, but there's lots of places to sort of walk up. Now, this tip is only for listeners and viewers of the podcast. So get ready for this one um, because it has to do with Yak and Yeti. Um, lots of, lots of people don't know this. Um, so uh, there's a reason we haven't even posted this on our social media pages or even done a blog post about this because I don't want everybody to know the cool secrets. So I decided to save it just for the podcast. Um, I know that you can walk up to the Yak and Yeti bar, okay? If you ask the bartender to take me to the summit, that's what you have to do, which of course is reference to Expedition Everest. There is a secret and hidden bar menu uh, only at Yak and Yeti. Uh, they'll scan your phone and then it'll come up with a tab to the internet on your phone with a list of secret drink menus that you can only get at Yak and Yeti. Um, don't ask me how I know that. I totally didn't learn that on my own. Uh, but the point is, is that that is a cool little pro tip for you. I thought a while back almost doing uh, a blog post on Mickey blog for that or doing a post on our Instagram for that. But I thought to myself, like, eh, I don't know if I want to tell thousands of people that, uh, but you know, the podcast is kind of our cool little way of telling only our listeners. So our family. Exactly. Um, well, and by the way, just real quick, and I know we're going to get into the second half. Um, the other thing about Yak and Yeti, because I feel like we're just kind of in that Yak and Yeti mode right now. Right next door to the restaurant is a quick service Yak and Yeti. 
So you can just go over there. And if you like the noodles, if you like the fried rice, uh, you can mm -hmm. actually grab it. And then there's seating in the back that's outdoors. Yep. So again, you know, like, let's say you're like, oh, I really want yucky. I don't want to wait an hour and a half. And I don't have a reservation. Guess what? You're in luck. Go to the quick service next door. Grab what you want to grab. And they come in really cute Chinese restaurant containers, which I yeah. think is really fun. So they're really cute. You can eat and then you could wrap them up and take them home. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk. We're going to talk more about personal favorites. We wanted to sort of go over the first half of the episode talking about, you know, more specifics, little pro tips, things, particulars you're going to want to know about. Um, for example, like first aid is located at the beginning of the park. Uh, you know, there's lots of specifics and you can head over to Make Your Blog and we got lots of guides and great articles for you guys to check out when it comes to planning your Animal Kingdom Day. In fact, we uh, recently had an article written on the site I found, uh, you know, just the other day that is like a total guide and pro tips to Animal Kingdom. So go ahead and check that article out. Um, but let's jump into the second half of the episode where we're going to talk more about our favorites and personal favorites and personal favorite things to do, see, uh, everything like that. Before I do uh, switch over to the second half, I do want to mention that this episode of the Mickey Bod Podcast is brought to you by Mickey Travels. And Mickey Travels is a nationally recognized leader in Disney vacation planning. They are diamond earmarked by Disney and their services are always 100% free. Reach out to Mickey Travels today for a free quote on your Disney vacation at mickeytravels.com. That's mickeytravels.com. Making magic one vacation at a time. And as we mentioned earlier on in the show, this week is when the Disney Treasure bookings just opened up. So if you or your family, your friends, anybody want to look into booking a cruise and a trip on the Disney Treasure or any of the Disney Cruise Line ships, which they are all amazing in their own ways, then reach out to Mickey Travels for help doing so. Not to mention, if you're thinking about going to Walt Disney World, like the stuff we're talking about now, and you want more expert advice on Animal Kingdom, or how do I go about that day, all of these Disney experts will walk you through it. They'll help you from start to finish, not only planning and booking that trip, but with lots of little pro tips like we got for you guys on Animal At Kingdom no cost. too. At no additional cost. It's completely free to you. So reach out to Mickey Travels if you need help with any of that. But Let's talk about our second half or our favorites when it comes to Animal Kingdom. There are 15 total rides and attractions, live shows, everything over at Animal Kingdom. There is the Avatar Flight of Passage, the Boneyard with the Conservation Station, Dinosaur Expedition Everest, Feathered Friends in Flight, Festival of the Lion King, Finding Nemo, The Big Blue and Beyond, It's Tough to Be a Bug, Cali River Rapids, Kilimanjaro Safaris. Of course, you can meet and greet, as we talked about, your Disney pals at Adventures Outposts, Navi River Journey, and Triceratops Spins. So, you know, I want to take a second to talk about Pandora because earlier, I feel like I might have been like, don't go to Pandora. That's not what I'm saying. I, in fact, almost think you should spend about half your time at Animal Kingdom at Pandora. And the reason I say that is because it is spectacular. It was opened officially back in 2017. Joe Rohde worked alongside James Cameron, who is the creator of the Avatar franchise, um, and they built this just magnificent land. And, and I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I actually like Pandora more than I like Galaxy's Edge, because I believe thematically 
how gorgeous it is, the waterfalls, you know, maybe I'm a sucker for views, Alyssa, but there's no, there's not a single spot in that land that you can't turn somewhere and take an amazing photograph, which is really pretty cool. Um, not to mention another thing I wanted to mention while you're in there is Satuli Canteen. Satuli Canteen, in my opinion, is the best quick service, not just at Animal Kingdom, but the best quick service in Walt Disney World. Um, so you can go there, you can make your own bowls. It's like a fancier, better Chipotle, basically, in, in Disney. <laughs> it's healthy. You can have salads. You can have rice bowls, noodle bowls. They even have these cheeseburger pods, which are basically like bao buns filled with a cheeseburger. It's very, very cool. They have amazing margaritas also outside at Pongu Pongu. Breakfast is served daily, little quick breakfast over at Pongu Pongu. Um, there's a great store in there and Avatar Flight of Passage is one of the best rides in Walt Disney World. So just wanted to briefly mention all of that as fast as I could, basically, how much I love Pandora. <laughs> I love Pandora as well. I had the privilege of going for the uh, press event when Pandora was just open. So that's where I met Joe Rody. I saw James Cameron. Um, Scorny Weaver was there. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, we got to have the privilege of riding, uh, Flight of Passage for the first time over and over again. It was amazing. I actually shared with Joe Rohde how much I thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, funny thing about this is I had not seen the movie. So I was just loving what I was experiencing, but not really making reference to it. And, yeah. uh, saw the movie, um, actually I've seen both now. And I remember the first time I saw Avatar, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is Flight of Passage, the floating mountains. Yeah. And all of the, you know, the Navi and you're immersed into their life and their world. Um, they did the most, br I would say probably the most brilliant job of transforming somebody into another world. It, it was beyond. Um, so huge fan of Flight of Passage. Um, I have to also say, while Navi River Journey, you know, sort of like a little, like, little brother, little sister to Flight of Passage right next door, um, it's beautiful in its own right. Um, you know, being able to just kind of be in that world and you are immersed mm -hmm. in that world as you're floating around, it's pretty special too. Yeah, sure. it is. It's a gorgeous ride. And, and it, full disclosure, Navi River Journey is a ride for people of all ages. You can bring your baby on that attraction. Um, it's a slow moving boat ride. Uh, I would compare it to like Trace Caballeros or, you know, there, there's lots of other small slow world. moving, small world. Exactly. Um, and the difference is, is they immerse you, as Alyssa said, into this world of Avatar where things are glowing. You got bioluminescence. It's, it's gorgeous. It is very pretty. And it has one of the most impressive animatronics in theme park history towards the tail end of that attraction. I won't spoil it. You'll see it for yourself, but either way, this land she's, is just gorgeous. beautiful. She is. And, and this land is, is top to bottom gorgeous. I think, I mean, you know, from the food, the drinks, the, the shop is even cool. There's so many waterfalls and picture spots to take photos with your friends Floating and family. Mountains. Floating mountains. I mean, it, it's it's gorgeous. And this is actually one of those, we've talked about this on a previous episode when we talked about like, you know, Disney attractions and must do Disney and things like that. Um, but we actually spoke about how Flight of Passage has one of those rare queues. We are actually missing out on some of the cool parts of the queue by taking the lightning lane. 
So I know you might be sitting down or waiting for a long time for that hour, hour and a half, but it's actually very cool. There's some parts of that queue that are just breathtakingly beautiful with how they put it together. So, well, and remember something else about the queues at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Um, I think sometimes people forget this. Um, a lot of people think queues are built so that you stay entertained while you're waiting, so you're not annoyed mm -hmm. and sort of frustrated, possibly, right? Yeah, I'll give I'll give yeah. Disney that smart. But Walt was a storyteller. Yeah. And the one thing about these queues is it's it is telling a story leading up to what you are about to experience. And that is true for Flight of Passage. That is too true for Test Track. That is true for, you know, um, Peter Pan. That's another one where I know people don't want to wait in line, but that queue is so adorable. It um, is. The queues are telling a story. So mm -hmm. I get not wanting to wait very long. I get it. nobody gets it more, right? You just want to kind of shuffle in and shuffle out. But it is a story that's leading up to what you're about to experience. And so sometimes if you have a little extra time, don't be so impatient and go through the queue so that you can see what the Imagineers want you to feel before mm -hmm. you experience the attraction. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, think of Haunted Mansion, for example, you can't go on that attraction without experiencing the pre-show and the stretching room and all that. I mean, it's a part of the attraction. In fact, most people almost associate the stretching room and, and the pre-show more with the Haunted Mansion than they do the actual ride. So it's like- you remember, you Jared, know, during COVID after reopen, you walked right in? Yeah, people were mad. It, well, because, you know, they were they didn't want people confined, right? Yeah. We understand why, why they did it. But did, would you say- confidently that that changed the the feel as you were well, yeah. going in it's not the same and then on top of that you know it that wasn't the only attraction that experienced that for example um tower of terror is another one where they had the whole pre-show with the little tv the black and white tv you know these these pre-shows these cues in my opinion i it's a huge credit and testament to imagineers that they're able to make these as gorgeous and as cool as they are because it's not just about entertaining your kids while they're getting impatient in line. It's, it's, it is about storytelling. As Alyssa said, I mean, it, you're, you're a part of a story and that's why so many people freaked out about rise of the resistance, because when you're standing in line and rise of the resistance, you don't even realize it, but you're thrown into the attraction at one point. You have no idea when that starts, but it literally starts. And I know, I mean, I know because I've done it enough times, but there is a section there where you think you're still in line, where boom, you're in the ride before you even board the ride. So even that makes people who aren't even Star Wars fans able to say like, this is insane. I mean, even Alyssa, who's not a huge Star Wars fan, I remember you talking about Rise of Resistance and talking about how impressive it is. And that's what Disney's all about with storytelling. It's about bringing you into this world, whatever world it is, whether it is being on a Kilimanjaro safari or whether it is being in Pandora and riding Flight of Passage. You are entranced and a part of it. And and like you said about Peter Pan, Alyssa, I mean, heck, I was I was riding Peter Pan yesterday for a video um, that we're working on, a uh, little Magic Kingdom hack. So be on the lookout uh, if you head over to the Mickey Bog channel. But I was working on that video and we were riding, uh, went general, we were doing standby. And as we're waiting in that queue, I remember thinking the same thing you thought. I was like, wow, this is so like 
cute and magical and it brings you right into the world of oh you're starting outside of the 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 house and then you're seeing okay there's john there's wendy you know but you know it's it's so cool so i i really like what you said about cues because i do agree well, and i have to say jared like and i know we're sticking with alan mckinnon but if i can just say this for 30 seconds i think one of the prime exam there's so many but that came mm. to my mind was rock and roller coaster yeah when rock and roller coaster opened after covid you went right through the studio yeah. And don't get me wrong, everyone loves the the roller coaster, right? Yeah. But why are you in that limo? Yeah. Like, okay, I'm just riding the attraction. But if you know why you're in the limo trying to get to the concert, yeah, it changes why you're in that limo and like the excitement of, oh my gosh, like we just, you know, Aerosmith just told us to get in the limo so we can get yeah. to the concert. It changes the whole story versus. It just being a roller coaster to being an attraction. It's the same thing with Dinosaur, for example. That's another yeah. one where that pre-show, the whole hello there, like bringing you in and making you realize, okay, you're on a time rover. You're trying to find this dinosaur. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know that backstory, you're just like, okay, what's going on? Where am I oh, going? Oh, it's Yeah, you know? I'm being and chased by a dinosaur. Exactly. So Animal Kingdom does an amazing job at these things with cues. But that brings me to my next point when it comes to favorites and and you know special things to do if you're going to Animal Kingdom, and that's really appreciating the animals because that is that is the whole reason why you go to a park like this, right? Again, the biggest zoo technically in North America, an extremely impressive piece of land. It's Disney's biggest theme park in the world, and on top of that, the reason for all that land is so that the animals have their space. They have you know enough room to still live as they normally would. But one of the things, the pieces of info, the little you know, side tips I always give people when they're going to Animal Kingdom is walk the animal trails, okay? Because the animals are not just shown on the Kilimanjaro Safari or at these little spots as you're walking around the park. No, there are two very gorgeous animal trails that you can walk. There's one in Asia and there's that's tiger-based and there's one in Africa that's gorilla-based. And you walk these trails and not only can you see these incredible animals that you can't see anywhere else in the globe, but there's cast members in line that are experts on these species. So you can ask them questions, you know, even as simple as one time I decided to just, I, I, I saw a cast member at the Gorilla Falls and Alyssa's not going to be surprised by this story because I'm a little ridiculous sometimes, but I went up to this cast member and I said, Hey, who would win in a fight? A gorilla or a grizzly bear? And and the lady sort of laughed a little bit. She's like, wow, I haven't gotten that one um, before. And then she called over like four other cast members and everybody's arguing and talking about it. I spent 10 minutes talking to four cast members about a hypothetical animal fight. But the point is, they're very they're very kind. All the cast members are kind. But the, the ones in Animal Kingdom, they're educated. You can't just work in these animal trails just because you feel like it. Like they... They have educations, they have backgrounds on these species. And and I think that's just an added extra element of what makes this park so special in a way. You know, I don't know. I agree. Well, and again, you know, it goes back to also just remembering the conservation. And, you know, the whole point is that many of the animals that live in Animal Kingdom, you know, their counterparts in the wild are dwindling. Yeah. It's really, really sad. So it's nice to know that they're doing everything they can to help on the conservation side, educate people, 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, take donations to help these uh, species survive. You know, one of the things that caught me, um, and I haven't been on the safari in a while, but when they talk about the white rhinos that you see on the safari, I, I forget what it was, but it was like this ridiculously low number that are left on the planet. And I'm mm-hmm. looking at like three of them going, this is like three out of like, no joke, like 300. Yeah. Like it wasn't even like there was 3 million. I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness. Like how can we let them go extinct and just never be around it again? And it, it, it's a moving park, I think, at the same part. You know, yeah. it's, it's a living park um, yeah. in so many ways, but it's also very, very moving and very emotional. And it really does um, connect us to all the different species that share the planet with us. Well, yeah. And, and it's funny you say that it's like alive because that was a, actually a part of many of the slogans when it comes to commercials and selling Animal Kingdom is a park that makes you feel alive and things like that. In fact, Stacy used to have a line like that. Uh, speaking of Stacy, we recently had the joyful pleasure of interviewing uh, Stacy Oswald from uh, Must Do Disney. So if you remember that show. Go watch that. Go watch it. She's incredible. Yeah. Now she she's is. a good friend of ours. I know, I know. We're we're friends. We're uh, I, I wish I could say we're hanging out, but we're we're friends. And she's a friend of the show, a friend of the blog, and she's just Amazing. she's just so kind. So definitely go check out that episode. But the reason I bring all of this up, you know, is you know, it as Alyssa said, it's a park that does make you feel alive, and it makes you feel like you're a part of this story in a way. Um, so as as I continue and sort of get towards the end, there are a few other things I wanted to mention that are my personal favorites um, that you should check out. As I mentioned, the animal trails. I talked about Pandora and Satuli Canteen and, you know, how gorgeous that is over there. Africa and Asia are two beautiful lands that are separated, of course, by regions of the world. But you can get unique food offerings in each land that are unique to those sections of the world. There's, um, you know, everything from, you know, merchandise and, and, um, you know, specific animals that you can only see in those kinds of the world. So that's something worth your time is taking your time going around these lands and walking a little bit slower than you would at Magic Kingdom, where you got 20 attractions to get to. There's less attractions here. So you might think, oh, okay, I can accomplish this in half a day, like we used to be able to. But no, that's not the case. Disney's kind of wanting you to go slower at Animal Kingdom. They want you to take your time a little bit because there's so many different animals and cultures and things to learn about. So that's a huge piece of advice I would say is just take your time a little bit more at Animal Kingdom. Take it all in. Appreciate the different animals you get to see, the different cultures you're learning about. Um, Beyond that, I know Alyssa talked a little bit about the shows, but some of the shows are very, very amazing, including Festival of the Lion King. Um, And then before I wrap up, a few other things I'd like to mention Uh, If you are uh, wanting to grab a drink at Animal Kingdom, a great spot is the um, Nomad Lounge, one of my favorite spots to grab a drink at Animal, or not just Animal Kingdom, but at Walt Disney World. Uh, Very, very cool. Right on the water, you get to see the flotillas kind of go by. Uh, They have the best churros in Walt Disney World, believe it or not. I know. But that's because the best churros are out in Disneyland. But we're not going to get into that. But regardless, uh, great little spot over there. Um, so yeah, wanted to mention that real quick. There are unique other drink offerings around the park as well. Can I also mention so, that another real plus about Animal Kingdom is you can get a Dole Whip in Animal Kingdom. You can. And get Dole Whips everywhere on property. 
When I think about Dole Whips, I think about Magic Kingdom. I think about Polynesian Village. You can get Mm -hmm. a Dole Whip at Animal Kingdom. And I think that's great. And the last thing I just want to mention, um, another thing kind of going a little bit with entertainment is the dancers and the drummers in Africa are absolutely amazing. They come out and they bring guests to dance with them. Usually a lot of little kids. And um, I have to say, you know, talk about immersing in their culture. It's amazing Mm. to watch. So again, you know, just, I mean, if you think about it, you know, when you think about Magic Kingdom and you think, wow, you go from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland to, you know, and it kind of just, or if you think about Epcot, you go, wow, I'm going from, you know, Morocco to Japan to, you know, France, Mm. all in steps. The same thing could be said for Animal Kingdom. You're going from Africa to Asia to, you know, different cultures all within steps of each other and even places that don't exist like Pandora. Yeah. And, and not to mention, um, you know, and again, it, it feels like uh, it, it's really funny guys, by the way, listeners, Alyssa and I spoke right beforehand about maybe uh, having a shorter episode this time around. This did not work out, but that's because we love this park. And, and that's kind of a testament of how much, how great this park is. The thing is, is you could go on and on forever. And, and I have so much more I could talk about when it comes to this park. Um, but really the main thing I want to just point out when it comes to planning your day at Animal Kingdom is take your time. Okay. It is a full day park. There's so much to see. There's so much to learn about. There's so much to do. And, and it's so unique. There's not and many other theme parks on planet earth that are like this. So take your time, enjoy the unique food and drink offerings, enjoy the unique cultures, the different cast members you can speak to, the different animals you can't see anywhere else on the planet. I mean, you going on the Kilimanjaro Safari, like spoiler alert, you can only do that in Africa outside of right here. So, you know, enjoy it, take that in. Um, It's not like Magic Kingdom. It's not a hustle and bustle, go, 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 go got to get everything done before the fireworks at 10 p.m. No, you got you got time, you got space. It's a huge park. Just just breathe a little and take and it all. It's a full in. day park. And it is. And anybody who tells you differently is wrong. Full day. <laughs> this yeah. was fun. This was fun and we do appreciate you as always for tuning in. We do hope that you like this episode. Of course, if you are looking to check out some of our other episodes, please feel free to do so. We have over 40 different episodes about all things Disney, but we also have three other episodes, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, that are all about planning that perfect day at Walt Disney World. One for Magic Kingdom, one for Epcot, one for Hollywood Studios, and of course, now we have this one for Animal Kingdom. This was a part of our Perfect Day series. The idea is to just put you there for a day and plan that perfect day, and we do hope we helped you a little bit with tips, tricks, recommendations, and everything more planning-wise when it comes to Animal Kingdom. So we greatly appreciate you for listening and watching this episode. If you would like to watch, of course, you can watch every episode over on YouTube. Otherwise, you can listen on any platform that you get your podcasts. If you'd like to see more of our content, head over to MickeyBlog.com. We cover the Disney news, cover all things Disney 24-7. You can follow us on social media. We're on all social media platforms. And of course, if you'd like to hear more Mickey Blog podcast episodes, well, just stay tuned because every single Friday we drop a new episode. So feel free to subscribe if you like this. Hit that thumbs up button. And we can't wait to see you next Friday on another edition of the Mickey Blog podcast. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Bye.